This is the Grin Podcast, and I am Hindulson Gupta. I am delighted to welcome a pioneering scientist of our time on the Grin Podcast. More than twenty-three thousand people read an interview that we published on Grin dot News with him. Please allow me to welcome Dr. Jonas Kleiner, a mathematician and physicist at the Munich Center for Mathematical Philosophy. He works at the cutting edge of an ever urgent question: Is the universe conscious? Thank you, Dr. Kleiner, for joining us today. Thank you very much for the invitation. I appreciate it. Very nice to be here, Dr. Kleiner. I want to begin by asking you: For most people. when they hear the phrase the universe is conscious they're puzzled and befuddled by it could you explain to our listeners what do you mean by this and how could we as non-scientists really understand this and its importance um yes of course let me try so um This um, phrase, "the universe is conscious," came from um, a new scientist article that was published about um, the work I did. I did together with Sean Tull, who's a colleague of mine at Oxford. Um, and so, generally speaking, the the fundamental idea in this field in which I'm working now is that um, one is trying to look for models of consciousness, which are sorry. Just one second. Yeah. So we're trying to look for models of consciousness that, that describe the relation between um, the physical domain, such as brain structures, and um, and and their yeah, conscious experience. And in order to do this, what we we basically work with a mathematical model um, of the physical domain as provided by physics on the one hand, and the mathematical model of what is called ph- phenomenal conscious experience in um, the philosophy of mind. And um, so these models, generally speaking, they they can be of any metaphysical sort of any metaphysical type um, and what they do is they always so, so in some of them they are of a form where you plug in um, a, a description of a physical system and then it spits out so to speak um, what state of consciousness the system is in um, a very leading model in this respect is the model which is called integrated information theory and um, and so in these models you can plug in any type of system any type um any mathematical description of a physical system it could be part of your brain it could be a computer and it could even be something as a as a description of the whole universe at once which is um which physicists often envisage and and according it depends on the model under investigation but some of the models then would attribute a conscious experience to the whole universe and that's really where this um this headline came from fascinating and could you tell us a little bit about the importance of this work you know today because of covid-19 people around the world are struggling to understand the future of the world and their very existence what does your research tell us what are the interesting things that your research tell us about the future of mankind oh that's a very tough question of course um so i would say that this question points at the whole field of the scientific study of consciousness so that includes philosophers it includes neuroscientists it includes psychologists computer scientists and most recently also a um, bunch of mathematicians as uh, as myself um and i think it's fair to say that um the question of conscious experience how it why it is that we have conscious experience how precisely they tie into brain structure how precisely they tie into the physical domain that is one of the of the deepest and at the present i would say most open questions of all of science and so a priori it's just a it's just a hole in science which 
which just cries for investigations that that investigate um, um, the, this whole. Now, of course, always in science, the hope is, or at least not always is not not a, not correct. But I think with most people in science, it's the hope is that the research one does will eventually provide useful for society as a whole, and of course, for in some sense to mankind as a whole. And I think this hope is very real in in the scientific study of consciousness. And just to give a few examples, so um, at present there's there's a large number of medical diseases where we don't really understand. When I say we, I mean science. Where science doesn't really understand how um why how this how this how any disease works yeah why is it the case that um people feel pain under such and such circum circumstances and of course i mean um the hope would be that if we understand in more detail um how the physical domain and consciousness relate and and basically what is the if you like the nature of the universe in these regards i mean the hope is that we can make progress in in, in curing these diseases um, so that's one thing. And the other thing is, of course, that um, see, for example, at the end of the 19th century, physicists were convinced that physics was more or less done. So maybe you have heard this um, this anecdote about Max Planck, who was recommended not to go into physics because there was nothing to be done in physics. Um, and and then there came this huge revolution of the of quantum theory, um, of general relativity, and we now understood that at the end of the nineteenth century, um, people didn't understand much about the universe. And of course, nowadays people feel differently. So again, many people, many scientists are convinced that the the universe is uh, the, that basically physics or science as a whole has uncovered the most important structures, and now there's just a few holes here and there to fill. And I think it's fair to say that for many people in the scientific study of consciousness. Um, there is this fundamental worry, you could say, that when we say this now, we're just we're as wrong as when people said that in the 19th century. So we've understood much more, but there's not really a reason to think that now we finally got, you know, now at the end of the, or let's say at the beginning of the 21st century, we finally uncovered all the structures that there are. So there's a, there's a fundamental hope that um, um, there's just some bits of the universe we're not really seeing right now. and. And um, this might turn out wrong. I mean, it, it could be the case that in the end, it's all physicalism. That is to speak, like conscious experience reduces completely um, to the physical. Um, but but still, there's you know there's this open question, and I think that motivates much of the research going on in that field. There's of course always been this question of consciousness or the soul, as it were, in many uh, Eastern faiths. And there has always been this talk about, about, you know, how one can sort of, in a sense, scientifically prove things that religion uh, talks about in terms of experiences or experientially. Where do you think is the overlap between such theories, especially in Eastern religions and the scientific work that you do? Oh, yeah, that's so you have very good questions, I have to say, and very tough questions. Um, so I typically like to think of um, science and religion to be um two things or two how could you say yeah two parts of human life that that do not compete so i i think you know there's clearly scientific statements and they can be uh, subjected to scientific questions and then there's clearly religious statements and they can be subjected to religious questioning or to religious exploration and um i think that what happens often is that you know science some scientists take science further than they should you know they take it beyond the things that have actually been proven and um and then you know they 
that ends up with statements like, for example, from Stephen Hawking, just to name one person, statements like God is dead. Yeah. So that's that's certainly scientists stepping beyond what science can actually achieve. And on the other hand, there's also people from religion who, you know, who just can't resist the urge to actually make statements that are very much like scientific statements, um, you know, like, yeah. And so basically, I think that if we don't do this, science and religion can actually they don't compete and in fact they can inspire each other and um, so just to give one simple example so albert einstein was very much inspired by a particular um, religion i think he called if i'm not mistaken he called it even cosmic religion so it had to do with so he has a he has certain distinctions between various types of religions um, and that more than anything that really inspired his work um, yeah, so I think I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's that's my take on it. So basically, what I'm saying is, um, so that, again, so I should be careful because that's not at all my my field of expertise. Yeah, I'm I come from physics. I I did a PhD in mathematics. Um, I never did scientific research on religions, um, but I think it's fair to say that you know what we do is not concerned with what is what a religious person means. Or maybe one could say should mean by soul yeah so what it, this is maybe a bit too um again like too much my personal input and not much not so much my scientific feeling but um i don't think that um what people when when buddhists or hindus or christians or muslims talk about the soul i don't think they that really um relates to the things we're studying um yeah so just to give you one example i mean of of why why this connection is often made and why it's a little bit problematic so for example um there are people who think that um you know like the when we have a model of consciousness that is not physicalist so where basically where according to the model conscious experience influences the physical domain um they sometimes think well that that's some proof of the soul influencing the physical um but that's not really the case because many of these models at least they're still like what you could call clockwork models you know there's still everything ticks according to some equations you know it doesn't matter so much that some of these things we now call consciousness and not physics so i think it's better to really understand that these are models of a particular area of of reality a particular part of reality um and you know and they try to describe that part of reality as best that they can and they just have nothing to say about other parts of reality such as the part we address when we talk about soul or other religious ideas I also want to ask you, uh, Dr. Liner, in consciousness studies, there has always been this talk of the heart problem of consciousness. Could you maybe explain to our listeners what this problem was and how close are you in your research uh, to actually solving this heart problem of consciousness? So I think there's um, many things, many different conceptions that people generally refer to when they say this term. So, for example, the the one which can be explained in most easiest, um, most easiest words, um, is is sort of is mostly used by, or I would say, largely used by working scientists. And so, some of them, or, more, or many of them, when they say when they talk about the hard problem of consciousness, they're really just wanting to ask the question: Why is there conscious experience, and why does it attach to the physical world in the way it does? So that's one conception. And there's another conception. So, for example, um, the original conception put forward by Dave Chalmers, um, and I think it's fair to say so he axiomatizes things, uh, which is very important and and has allowed us to do a lot of progress so for example he talks about phenomenal consciousness which he defines to be um whatever whatever is 
associated with consciousness or with with what we usually mean by consciousness but which ha which doesn't have a function and which doesn't have a um, a structure and here function means something like the ca a causal role a causal influence in the physical and structure means something like a spatial temporal structure right so he defines that um, as phenomenal consciousness and then in his 1996 book he says then well scientific explanation can always only explain the function and the structure and then that's certainly there's a problem if if phenomenal consciousness doesn't have what we usually explain um, then we can't address that. So that's another conception of the hard problem of consciousness that's in use. And finally, there's a conception which I think is most accepted in philosophy. And um, that just goes by the slogan that um, metaphysical possibility implies nomological necessity. So the idea in this last conception of the hard problem is that um, people try to argue, and of course these arguments are difficult and have to be checked carefully, but they're trying to argue that um, there is a metaphysical possibility that consciousness would not exist at all while the physics would all be the same or um, a metaphysical possibility that consciousness would attach to the physical in just a different way um, and since that's a, f a possibility which we don't see or don't find in, in, in our universe and our reality they say well then there need to be some laws of nature um, some nomological necessity that 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 sort of if you like destroys this possibility and ends up just ends up or explains why we only see one and so you see all of these notions are very um very different and uh, and i think in each and every one of them one has to carefully investigate what the role of mathematical models would be um and my gut feeling is so i think for example the first the first uh, yeah the first notion of consciousness uh, sorry the first notion of the hard problem which i just explained um i think in this case um you know we can make a lot of progress but it will not be satisfying to the general public, general public. You know, in many other areas of science, we found very nice explanation of phenomena, for example, in quantum theory using mathematics. But these mathematics are in a sense unsatisfying because they don't really, um, they don't really give you any, you know, they don't satisfy what in daily life we, we think of an answer to why question is. Um, of course, I mean, professionally speaking, they are satisfying. They are extremely powerful frameworks. Yeah. Concerning the second um, um, proposal by Dave Chalmers, I think also here mathematics could make progress and that crucially depends on how exactly one represents phenomenal experience as he defines it in mathematical terms. And in fact, I would say that, you know, at least in the 1996 book, what Chalmers really tried to motivate is what we are doing now. So it is a science of consciousness that people have done for, for several years. But I think it's fair to say that he also had um, mathematical laws in mind that are being proposed to date. Um, yeah, so there's hope. And concerning the last notion, I'm not really sure whether mathematics can make any progress. I mean, see, in order to solve the hard problem of the last kind I've explained, um, what would be necessary would, to, would be to somehow derive from the physical facts. Um, facts about phenomenal experience so logically derive and and i think there's not much hope that this is possible but i should, should also say that many philosophers are very skeptical about this last notion of the hard problem you know just because it's so difficult to argue or so yeah i i stick with difficult to argue that there is a metaphysical possibility fascinating yeah, I hope, and my I last that question to you yeah dr kleiner is if we are to definitively if we are able to definitively prove that the universe is conscious would that be a great leap in the imagination of mankind? Uh, so, how would it transform our world? Um, so, in my mind, if we were, if someone would even show that um, consciousness has a real, had a real effect 
effect on the physical domain, um, which is something that we typically assume. I mean, if I think about lifting my arm, I then, then I lift my arm. Um, and so typically I would, in my daily life, I would think, well, that's an effect of consciousness, but that is still, um, that can be explained very well also with some of the most, the more physicalist or materialist ideas. And so if we had, if we had some sort of definite proof that even that consciousness alone could make an, a difference to the physical domain, even that would cause a scientific revolution, which, um, we haven't seen for a long time. Um, so what I'm saying is basically, um, if we, even that alone would, would be very, very promising. Um, to come more to your question, if we think about models of consciousness that, um, that, you know, that prescribe a conscious experience, not only to brains, but also to larger structures, such as the universe as a whole. Um, I think if we could confirm one of them, I mean, yeah, that might change a lot, even, even morally, if you think about it. Yeah. If, how would we behave if we knew that it's not only humans and other animals that, um, that have consciousness. Fascinating. Thank you, Dr. Kleiner, for a really fascinating conversation. And, and that's really something to think about, isn't it? How would we morally behave if we realized or if we, you know, could understand that not only humans and animals, but everything has consciousness. There's probably never been a better time uh, than to wonder this in the middle of this global pandemic. Thank you very much, uh, much Dr. Jonas Kleiner, for joining us on this podcast. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you.